Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. And here we're discussing the film After Hours. Yes, and joining us today is our special guest, Daphne gomez Mena. So welcome, Daphne. Hey, Daphne. Hi. Very excited to chat yeah. with you today, Daphne. Can you tell us a bit about what you do in the entertainment industry? Sure. Um, I am currently working as a video editor on Full Frontal with Samantha B, the only late night show hosted by a woman. So I'm very happy to be on that team. They're awesome. Um, I've also worked as a post producer on the first 48 where I was also an editor. And um, I've edited, you know, tons of stuff from docuseries stuff to documentary to um, scripted film to, you know, music videos for friends and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Cool. What was kind of your path for this career? How did you end up where you are now? It was a little bit of a winding road. So I, you know, grew up not knowing anything about the industry. I didn't have any family or friends who worked in it. You know, my family is mostly mostly like, uh, you know, straight business people or teachers or, you know, I was always interested in art, but, you know, my conservative Cuban father made it very clear that he would not be paying paying for art school. (laughs) So I went actually went to college thinking that I would become a doctor, which is weird because I'm really grossed out by like blood and stuff. So I obviously think that through very well. But um, once I came to that conclusion that the doctor thing was out, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be like a biological researcher. And then I took a month-long intensive of cellular and molecular biology. It was nicknamed Cell Hell. (laughs) And in that class, I realized I did not want to be a biological researcher because it was a lot of chemistry and I didn't really like chemistry that much. (laughs) So then I was like, okay, psychology, psychology is where it's at. So I started, um, I got my undergraduate in social psychology and at my small liberal arts school Bates in Maine we didn't have a film department but they did have some like documentary like specialty courses so in some of those courses I got my hand on a camera and I actually started I had like you know various jobs in college and one of them was working for the AV department so I got access to, we had the Media 100, which was like the precursor to Final Cut Pro. And then eventually we got Final Cut Pro and we actually had some like tape to tape, like VHS editing machines. I forget what they were called. (laughs) So I was able to like actually like film and edit some stuff on my own. So I kind of fell in love with documentary. And so when I was graduating college, I was trying to decide between like going into academia and doing social psychology stuff or um, going out into the real world. And I actually did this like application for making a documentary about Cuban immigrants that are like throughout the world. So traveling and talking to different people. And I didn't get that grant, but like through writing that grant proposal, I was like, oh wait, this is actually what I want to do. I want to. Cool. So I 
moved to New York City and I moved in with my like, best friend from high school. And I literally went through, this kind of dates me how old I am, but I went through the yellow pages and I faxed my resume to every production house in New York City. And I got one interview and I got this job at this production house. This was summer of 2001. Okay. So I got this job at this production house that was like a block away from the World Trade Center. Oh my God. And then 9-11 happened and I had to like, I would literally been at this job for like less than a month. And I like had to run over the bridge and like, it was like, oh really that's <laughs> wild. Yeah. So I actually like left New York and was like, I don't know yeah. if I'm coming back. And my friend from high school who I was living with, she had applied for this audition for us to audition as a band. And while I was gone, I left for like two weeks after 9-11. She wow. called me and was like, you have to come back to New York. We have an audition. <sighs> so I actually came back to New York City because of this audition. And so I moved back to New York and I, you know, eventually ended up going back to that company. And I worked there for like a year there I did like one of those jobs where I worked like 24 hours a day. Oh my God. I did everything from like going to the mayor's office to like get permits to shut down streets to shoot in to like um, loading tapes for the editor to getting the executive producers dry cleaning. Like it was like I slept on the couch a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I got paid like $400 a week. Oh my God. Yeah. One of those like just like yeah, your introduction to mm -hmm. working in production you know I did everything but it was it was a good experience I'm, yeah you know, um I look back on it kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, parts of it maybe that's probably the best way to look at it it's like <laughs> I'm glad that's over but you know yeah. at least I, I yeah, it really things. like helped me learn and, yeah. and when I was working there I was like oh I really like I really like editing and I really like sitting with the editor. I like the like more quiet, um, contained nature of post-production. Yes. Cool. While I was working there, I went to, I decided I wanted to do something film school adjacent. So I went and got my master's in media studies at New School University. So I was doing that part-time. And then this band that I was in also started taking off. So I was doing the band at night and part-time school and working at this job full-time, you know, more <sighs> than full-time for about a year. And then I like had a like nervous breakdown. Was yeah, like, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> not sleeping thing. I mean, it was in my 20s, so I could not right. sleep. But, but, you know, it was a lot. So mm -hmm. I ended up quitting the full-time job. And that's when I transitioned to more strictly post-production and editing. So I would get jobs a lot of the times through Craigslist. And, you know, I found one producer that I really, you know, I edited a trailer for her, for her documentary for free. And then we really liked working together. So I ended up working with her on a lot of documentary projects cool. early in my career. Nice. I'm also fluent in Spanish and French. So that really helped me in terms yeah. of being a young person starting out because this producer in particular was making projects in France. And so then I did that for a while. I worked in documentary until, um, you know, the recession happened and there was like no money for documentaries anymore. Like it was just done. And around that time, I sort of was the band thing. I sort of started as a joke with my friends. So, <laughs> and I didn't expect it to become like a thing, but it did. Yeah. Um, we like to say we became accidental rock stars. <laughs> so what did you play in the band? I was a rapper. Oh, okay. Awesome. 
So it was me and my best friend basically started this band as a joke and then it took off and yeah. we ended up touring all over the world and had a million adventures together. It was amazing. Larry T, who was, um, you know, the person who made the Electric Clash movement mm-hmm. in the early 2000s popularized in New York City, was um, doing this night at Joe's Pub and this party at Joe's Pub and the same manager was like to Larry T like oh you haven't heard of Avenue D like you should really <laughs> have him play a party <laughs> so so we went and we performed at his party and then um it just kind of took off from there like we yeah. started playing uh he had a party in Williamsburg at this place called Lux that we used to play a lot and um, then it was like, oh, come play my party in Berlin. Come play my party in Japan. Come play my party. So it turned into like six years of just this band happening. Like we yeah. we ended up writing songs with like different people. Like we wrote a song with Boy George. He invited us oh. to like sleep over at his house. Ah, that's, that's so cool. cool. He slept on the couch while we slept in his bed. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's nice so of him. Gracious. <laughs> Um, and like, you know, we like toured like all over the world together and we just kept writing music and we had a couple of, at least one offer to sign with a record label, but we, we didn't want to have anybody telling us yeah, to do. Yeah. So we just self-released our albums and, um, made a living that way for like six years. How cool. That's so cool. So where, where can people find your music? So it's on Spotify and iTunes and, um, Actually, we are um, just now putting together and in starting an Instagram account um, oh, cool. that people can follow. Where we're going to have a lot of the old pictures and videos up. So it's awesome. Avenue D at Avenue D for Eva, like number four <laughs> EVA. Yes. Um, so if people want to see some like fun early 2000s um, underground music scene nostalgia, they can go check it out there. Very nice. cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really exciting. Anyways, so I had to basically start over. So I actually started transcribing on a show called Storm Chasers. And then I was just like, as an assistant editor on some reality TV shows, you know, it was uh, late 2000s. There was a lot of reality in New York City. And I definitely learned some skills working in that genre that I hadn't learned in documentary some skills in terms of manipulating story and and footage in a way that you don't really do on documentary right yeah right so eventually I worked my way over to work on the first 48 which is a show about uh, murder investigations what I really liked about that show is that it it gives focus to stories and victims who aren't represented in mainstream media right yeah you hear about you know, famous people's deaths or particularly gruesome deaths, or you hear about murderers, not right. You don't hear about the victims and these right. stories that happen in neighborhoods that aren't um, getting the media attention that mm-hmm. other places are getting. So I enjoyed that work. Uh, but after a while, I was like, I wanted to sort of refocus my career and change the type of things that I was working on. So I like came up with a list that I had to check off. The first one is like, should this exist in the world? Yeah. The big one. And I started like shifting my 
focus to more like socially conscious work. Mm-hmm. I worked on um, more docu-series stuff. So I got back to my documentary roots and um, I was working on a show and my old post-supervisor on First 48 was working on Full Frontal with Samantha B. She had messaged me and was like, oh, we need somebody to fill in for uh, one of the editors who's like taking a break or something. Yeah. And doing that comedy stuff was just like, it felt so natural to me and it felt yeah. like so right. Like I, when I was in the band, it was very much like a comedy show. <laughs> right. You know, like we weren't serious musicians. It was very tongue in cheek. It was very like ironic and silly. Yeah. So it felt like I was able to like get back to a place that like I had been missing. Throughout that year, I went uh, anytime they needed an, an additional editor, I would sort of come in and help out. Oh, cool. In the meantime, I worked on at Vox. Uh, as lead editor on a series with Liz Plank called Divided States of Women, which was amazing because it was like the only time I've ever worked with an all-female team. That's awesome. They were all so talented and intersectional feminist lens kind of show, which uh, was very important to me. And between that and working on Full Frontal, I was like working on shows that are about social justice, but also like are doing it in a way that is um, lighter and more accessible to people. Like, I was like, yes, like this is the sweet spot, right? Like it's comedy, it's documentary. And then later on, as I was working more and more at Full Frontal, I got the opportunity to work on scripted pieces with them as well. So anyway, so I was the additional editor um, for like about a year. They would bring me in anytime they had like too much work for the editors or somebody, you know, had something going on when they couldn't work. As part of that additional editor team, I worked with them on their special about Puerto Rico um, after the hurricane. That was where I feel like I really clicked with the rest of the team because it was really intense, sort of like making this documentary all together in a really short amount of time and And shortly after that, one of the um, editors left abruptly and I was offered uh, the chance to come on as a full-time editor. They were like, do you want it? And I was like, yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) I've basically (laughs) been like that girlfriend just waiting. Are you going to ask me? Anytime you want a date, like I'm around, it's cool. (laughs) I was like obsessed with them. So yes, I was very excited when I got offered the position. And then we were nominated for an Emmy on the Puerto Rico piece. And yeah. my first week of work, we went to the Emmys together. Wow, that's awesome. That's insane. Listening to your background and experience, it kind of sounds like the perfect meld because it's a full-time job, right? But you're doing something different all the time and you get to do those important issues, but also it's not heavy all the time. Your path like just set you up perfectly for that position. <laughs> yeah, but also I would say like my path was like, not the same path that the right. rest of the editors that I've right. the work in this mm-hmm. section of the industry have followed. So if anything, like, I feel like it shows like that, that there's not just one path, right? right. Like, there's many ways to get to the place that you want to go. Yeah. Like, even if you don't go to film school or don't right. have like, you know, a parent or family friend that works in the industry, like mm-hmm. you can get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, and also just being willing, 
you know, just show up to a job that's maybe not what you want, but then being like, well, while I'm here, can I just learn Avid? Can I stay a little later and learn Avid? And then like, you know, being willing to do that too, or finding opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, Really, really important. Yeah. Is it difficult to work on these social justice pieces or to look at footage from the first 48, you know, all day? And like, that's your job is to review this stuff that's really heavy. Does that weigh on you or were you able to compartmentalize that? How did you handle that kind of stress? You know, it's weird because I could watch the like murder footage and like all the blood and stuff like and eat lunch at the same time. Like I became <laughs> so desensitized to it. But then yeah. what was really actually hard working on that show was listening to the families of yeah. the victims. Like I would ball in my editing room. Like I would just... I'm very sensitive. I cry very easily. And um, yeah, that's what got me is, is just listening to these families who just wanted justice for their family members or, you know, the other side of it, like listening to the families of these young men, usually who had gotten caught up in something stupid and now their entire lives were, you know, yeah, that sure is tough. gets to you for sure. But um, I think that those are the stories that are important to tell. Yeah. Right. So when you're working on Full Frontal with Samantha B, what's the process like? like? You know, for people who don't really know, uh, you know, how editing works or anything yeah. like that. Can you just walk us through real quickly how this works? Like, so they actually they film the show. At what point do you get involved? OK, so there's um, four acts in Full Frontal. Three of the acts are studio acts, and then one of the acts is a field piece. They'll go into the field and they'll usually do some interviews or um, some other kind of, you know, more in-depth stuff. And so that is usually act three, and it's more of a like a like a mini documentary, basically. Um, and so those mini docs we're working on usually for a couple weeks before they air. Okay. Um, but then the rest of the stuff that's studio, we edit the same day that it's shot. So the way it used to work in the before times, yeah. <laughs> they would, you know, shoot it at six something and then we would air it at 10 something. Right. Um, and so that is, you know, can be like high pressure, quick turnaround kind of right. stuff. Uh, you're basically pulling up any sort of flubs that happen or retiming graphics, right? Uh, or cutting down for time. Like those are the three main things you're doing with studio. Um, now in the after times, we will shoot a little bit earlier in the day, and then we'll deliver. Uh, you know, also at ten thirty, so that um, because the way that things are shot now, yeah, it's not quite as seamless as it was when everybody was in the same room together. Mm -hmm. So we yeah. have more time to retime graphics to cut things down for time etc yeah well it's nice you guys get a little bit more time even though it's a <laughs> lot more complicated yes. to shoot stuff now right yeah yeah i definitely like we're doing a lot more than we did um before for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> how do you choose what makes it in because i mean is it you and a producer working together or does a lot of it rely on you or is it different depending on what job you're on it's different depending on what job I'm on. So, you know, I've been on documentaries where a producer will just like throw a bunch of footage at me and be yeah. like, this is kind of the outline of what I want. 
and then I have to kind of figure it out myself. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I've, depending on different producers I work with on full frontal, like some of them are more collaborative and they like to figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Some of them are like, here's my script. I want you to follow the first pass to the letter and then we'll go from there. So, yeah. um, and, and I will say that like, I get to work with a lot of really great producers on mm-hmm. full frontal. Like that's another awesome part of my job is that like, they do love to collaborate. So like, whether that collaboration happens like in the beginning or like in the middle, you know, wow. like it's always there. Like, it's always like, well, I saw this other, you know, I saw this other sound up that would be good here, or here's a really funny joke that could end this run. Like they're always really open to mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff, which is nice. Yeah. Satisfying, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's satisfying to work with people who are like, yeah, a really supportive work environment. So do you have any moments from your career that are just really unbelievable moments where like, I can't believe this is my job. I can't believe this is what I get to do every day or a moment where it's like, I can't believe this is my job that I do every day. (laughs) (laughs) I will say working on a piece about the elections during this last election. Oh yeah. Election between Biden and Trump. Yeah. I had to make three different versions of the piece because it was airing like the day after or the day of where they were like announcing, like, you know, it was in the middle of just announcing all the states were coming in. So it was in the middle of all of that, trying to figure out who won this election. And it was really like in the middle of that time when it was like, we, it could go yeah. So I right, had to make right. a version that was like if Trump won, oh and a version God. of if Biden wins, and a version of if if we still have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. And so it was like changing everything, like each one. And yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't. That was a crazy, crazy time to be. Working yeah. With. That was wild. It definitely yeah. hit both of those questions that you asked, like is this my job? And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that definitely meets both those. How crazy. Cause I, I forget that because it's so topical. I mean, when you're covering something like that on the day of the election, you have to air it at 1030. So you have to have a version that's going to work at 1030. So thinking about how you have to have a bunch of different versions is crazy. Yeah. yeah and then just trying to make the call. Of yeah. Gonna use. So we ended up going with but the biting winning winning yeah. version, but it was even like a close call for that right. at that point. Yeah. yeah. By that time it was clear enough that you right. guys ran that with that one. Like but clearish. I mean, I yeah. guess it depends who you talk to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. So Daphne, what advice do you have for people who are interested in getting into either editing or just the entertainment world in general? Think about what really matters to you on a personal level and like what you want to create and put out into the world like when I was first starting out since I didn't have any connections in this world like I didn't really like think about things in the long term that way like I was just like I want to be an editor like focusing on that I don't care what I edit just give me anything like I'll take it like you know, and that was a way to do it. But if I had to do it again, like I would definitely be more thoughtful about 
the places that I work and the people that I work with and the projects that I work on and make sure that they align with what's important to me on a personal level. Let's get to our featured film. Tara discussing the 1985 comedy After Hours. It was directed by Martin Scorsese and was written by Joseph Minnan, and it stars Griffin Dune, Rosanna Arquette, and Verna Bloom. So, Susan, can you give us a quick breakdown? What is this movie about? Yeah, I'm just going to break down kind of the beginning because that way we're, there's so much that happens in this movie. There's so much. <laughs> I, there's, I would have to be here an hour breaking down the whole thing. But um, so we meet this uh, guy, Paul Hackett. He's a word processor. He lives in, this whole film takes place in New York City. Um, and he lives kind of a boring life. He goes to work. He goes home. He reads books. And... One day he's teaching this new guy at his job, and I think it really wakes something up in him. And he's like, I want to go do something different. So he decides to leave his apartment, goes out to a cafe, and he meets this woman, Marcy. She gives him her number. He ends up going back to his apartment, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to call her. So he calls her. Marcy's like, hey, come on over to my friend's apartment. He goes, and then the night goes crazy from there. So much happens, and I'm sure we'll get into it. Oh, also... As he gets in the cab to go to Marcy's, immediately loses all of his money that he has. So now he's trying to make it through this insane night with like 97 cents the whole time, which gets you gets him nothing. <laughs> so I think we should just jump in and talk about it because. Yes. There's so much. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Before we get too far, Daphne, you chose After Hours for us to watch. Why did you choose this film? So generally, I don't like to rewatch anything like yeah. I don't like to reread books I don't like to rewatch series I don't like to rewatch movies but this is one of those movies that I watched over and over again like before I got into the film world and before I moved to New York City mm. I was just like obsessed with it, it yeah. like I connected with it on such a visceral level and um I would also say that like it's one of Scorsese's like underrated films so I think it's right. like kind of like everybody talks about his, you know, hits and it's kind of fun right. to talk about something that is a little more under the radar. Yeah. I, I never heard of this movie before. So uh, it was cool to watch. And actually we also just a few episodes ago did Desperately Seeking Susan uh, with Rosanna Arquette. So it was fun to see her again because yeah. I really don't think I've seen very many of her movies. This movie is bananas. It is. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. This movie is wild. <laughs> this, this guy's night starts off essentially with a booty call and then goes out and then, <laughs> and then he just everything devolves. Every person he talks to is insane. <laughs> and he gets thrown into the most, like as the night just crescendos yeah. into just everyone eventually hunting him and thinking it, he's some kind of like burglar and like always weird relationships. Some people he just keeps bouncing into, but they're all somehow connected um, is such a weird story, but it's really captivating. And I mean, it's really enjoyable, but this guy's life, just this one night is so stressful. Yeah. He takes a chance and it, everything goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think the other reason I picked it too, is because it's edited by Thelma Shoemaker, which uh -huh. like, obviously as um, a female editor, she's like one of, she's it, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's like the God. Yeah. Yeah of female editors so um her editing in this movie is just like so it it elevates the emotion and the anxiety yeah. and the stress of the yeah. film so yeah. well like those hard 
fast cuts and yes you know Scorsese's camera work too and um I also love that you know in reading more about the film you know you learn that he did this movie after um Last Temptation was sort of put on ice for a long time and he didn't know if he was going to be able to finish that movie so he talks about it in terms of like it like saved his filmmaking career and it's just like oh wow like imagine how many other Scorsese movies just wouldn't exist if yeah. it weren't this right. movie. Yeah, I think that's a really good example of how underrated it is. It's like without this, we might not still be talking about Martin Scorsese. So the fact that so that it's not more popular is kind of crazy. Yeah, because this movie actually came out after Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out before Goodfellas and all all of the other, um, you know, obviously the newer Scorsese stuff. But it's sort of a, a weird, interesting time in his career. But it's also, I mean, the movie's full of, like, famous people. Yeah. Oh, my God. The women in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. The women in this movie are so gloriously weird. Yes. yes. Like, yes. it's something that, like, I remember watching it before moving to New York and being like, yes. Like, uh-huh. I want all of their lives. Yeah. <laughs> Fucked up and crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I was like, yes, like, that's where I want to go. Like, and and it's, like, so, uh, it's just such a good, like, time capsule of like that time and like and just like what it's like to have a crazy night in New York City like yeah like I can't even remember how many nights I've had where like you ended up in somebody's apartment and you don't know where you are and you're trying to get home and it's just like obviously now you can never make that movie because like he would just call somebody on his cell phone right yeah uh yeah it's just it's so the women in the movie are so incredible like you have Catherine O'Hara and Rosanna Arquette and um, Terry Garr and just like all of these amazing women. And what's interesting is you learn so much about their lives. And and then Griffin Dunn's character, who's the main character, you don't learn anything about him aside from the fact that he's a word processor. Right. It's funny because now that's just a computer. Right. (laughs) I'm in a job that exists anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't learn anything about him. Like you learn all about these rich, interesting women and the guy is just sort of there like as the, you know, rat in the maze that's getting us to like yeah. all these different points. Just a exactly. great movie. Yeah, and I wonder if that's because like his character is really not other than he talks about the burn unit thing. So that kind of tells you why he's Red Burns, but like he's not really not that interesting of a guy. But you're right, all the female characters are like so just fun to watch and they have so much going on and then all the male characters even that bartender like yeah he was a little weird but he really wasn't that interesting every character in this movie is like of real character like even like the diner owner you know where he he orders he goes and uses the restroom and then tries to leave but then he comes back later and like the diner owner like brings him his his burger and coffee he's like there it is you ordered it he gives him a look not like getting mad or anything it's like he's just like he's seen that like like he's been where you can imagine he's been working in that diner for like you know 40 years and he's just seen it all you know Mm -hmm. he's not he's not impressed by any of it yeah so funny (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, like the dark humor of this movie. Yes, yes. I think one of the parts that made me laugh out loud the most is when he finds Rosanna Arquette's body in the loft and he has to go leave to return the 
the other bar owner's keys and he puts up signs with arrows that say dead body. (laughs) (laughs) And they were written on paper towel, I think. (laughs) So funny. And like the ice cream truck. Yes. Yes. With like all the the hordes of people Uh chasing him down. It's just like, just that like surreal dark comedy. Yeah. So pleasurable. The ice cream truck's driven by Catherine O'Hara, which is... I uh, just so funny, and to hear the song playing as yes. they're hunting the sky, yeah. the do, 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 like. but, but the song is like it's a play of like horror, right? You know? I know it's like a scary yeah, like for a child like yeah like, horror, like yeah. yeah, it's just everything is so well done in that mm. movie. How would you classify this movie? What genre of film does this fall under? I'd say dark comedy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think IMDb it was like comedy romance drama i don't know if i'd classify it as much of a romance not a romance movie, but nope. <laughs> like, that's a whole other podcast i need you guys to do is like what is up with imdb yeah <laughs> how do they categorize things <laughs> yeah not a romance don't be tricked right. uh this this is definitely a dark comedy yeah that's how yeah i would definitely describe it as dark comedy but um but i you know not having seen this movie before and i don't like what i don't like reading up on a movie before i watch it i just want to experience it mm-hmm. and this movie the whole time i was like this movie's gonna go straight horror any minute <laughs> just straight up like this guy's gonna get mobbed or murdered yeah. or he's gonna kill somebody else i it's just a wild and there are those elements of like a horror movie like when he's at the waitress's apartment yes he has that little piece of like a newspaper stuck to his shoulder yeah, and she about a man in Soho was pummeled to death. And uh-huh. Right. He's like running from this mob that is yes. going to pummel him to death. And it's right. just like this, all the coincidences in the movie too, are just like, just like creepy, like, yeah. yeah. It's happening, you know? Yes. Right. So, like the skull keychain and the skull tattoo and right. like realizing that, oh, yeah. The quit, the, all the ways the characters end up being tied together all are really amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I, I really like the initial scene where he meets Kiki, who's Marcy's roommate. Yep. And that's to me where I was like, oh, this is going to be a weird, weird ride. Because uh, he walks into this apartment and this woman's doing a giant, giant paper mache sculpture. We got to talk about that. Of the scream. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, hey. And I don't even know if she she's like, oh, Marcy's not here. But, you know, you can help me with this. Help me help me finish this art piece. Like, and he's like, what? Oh, yeah. And then we haven't even talked about Cheech and Chong being. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Cheech and Chong are the the burglars. um, And but they also like are genuinely excited about that sculpture. But they actually, but they paid for it. Yeah, they're like an actual art collector. Yes. I love his commentary in the film where he's like, the other guy's like, let's just take stereos. He's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but stereos don't last and art is forever. (laughs) You know, such an appreciation. Yeah. It feels like the movie's talking about itself almost. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's great. It's great. Yeah. I love the scene. I mean, there's so many good scenes in this. I love when he goes meet with Tom, the bartender, and Mm. he can't like get the register open and he's just beating on it and like kicking it and stuff. Um, That was a bizarrely fun scene yeah also that's the dad from home or yeah the dad from home alone and yeah, yeah. and Catherine o'hara's in it too right. oh that's right both the parents the, both the parents from oh home alone god yeah. <laughs> absolutely i like to imagine that was their life before and then they meet yeah. oh god <laughs> and they get married <laughs> and move to the suburb yeah. that's how they met that's great the scene at the end is where it really does turn horror for just a second when the woman uh, in the bottom of the punk bar is uh, paper macheing yeah. him uh to like hide him 
But then, like, all right, he's like, all right, they're gone. Let me out. And she covers up his mouth. And it's like, oh, my God, he's going to yeah. die. Yeah. You know, like, stuck in this thing. And well, then, actually, like, that's interesting because they really struggled to find an ending for this movie. Yeah. Oh. So, like, I was reading about all the alternate endings that they were playing with. And just, like, from an editing perspective, like, so much of the time, I would say, like, 50% of the time, we're, like, trying to figure out what the ending is after yeah. that stuff, right? So it's, like reading about them trying to figure out what the ending was to this movie like was like I was just like oh yeah <laughs> so deeply like that's like such a like painful process sometimes like how yeah. do we like this plane right mm-hmm. but apparently like one this. of the endings that they were considering was having him crawl into the body of Verna Bloom that like last woman that he goes down into yeah. the basement apartment with and like go into her womb and then she births him on the West Side Highway. Like that was what they were thinking of. That's so I surreal. Forget, I forget who was like, that's too gross. Because <laughs> 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 like he's covered in goo and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, the movie is does have like that sort of Kafkaesque surrealism. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like, Let's go in that direction. But then mm-hmm. um I think it was. Was it Thelma's husband who came up with the ending of him oh, wow. ending up back at work? Might yeah. have been. I remember reading about it and being like, oh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Some Somebody was like, yeah, he has to end up back at work. And that's yeah. they were like, it was one of those endings that they like skipped over and they're like, oh, let's try to see what else we can think of. Right. And yeah. yeah. Came back around to. And that's like, so much of my job is like being like, what about this is the ending? Nah. Okay. Let's try all these other things. Oh yeah. wait, actually that was the ending. Yeah. We-, <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could have been done a while ago. But yeah. Okay. yeah. That's- but part of the create painful right. process. Yeah, it's definitely. That's so interesting. Yeah. That paper chasing freaked me out. I don't, in middle school, we had to make paper mache masks and you, your, your partner in class would have to cover your face with that plaster right. bandage stuff. And it, that, this that's what that reminded it's so me of claustrophobic yeah right? it is and you yeah. had to cover your mouth and like you just had two little nose things you had to also cover your eyes so you could paint the mask after so like i was like oh my god i hate watching this scene <laughs> it reminds me of you having ptsd middle school. yeah <laughs> okay. we'd like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling lesser known work In our After Hours, we're going to see how well both of you know movie directors based on their less famous movies. So Daphne, you're going to be playing against Susan. So here are the rules. I'm going to start naming the movies of a well-known director. And as soon as you know them, the director, shout it out. If you're wrong, the other person will get a chance to steal. And if you're both wrong, I'll keep naming movies. I have seven directors for you to identify, and the first person to name four correctly will win our prize. So, Susan, what's our prize? Our prize is some Life in the Credits merchandise. Oh, man, I love some good swag. Yeah. <laughs> I want to so, win. <laughs> you got to win, Daphne. All right, you got to beat Susan. All right, so are you guys I'm ready? Gonna, to- uh, I'm going to lose, just so you guys know. <laughs> we'll I want some swag. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, uh, Daphne, are you ready? Um, as ready as I'll ever be. Yeah. Susan. I'm not allowed <laughs> yeah. to Google these, right? You're not. Google's I mean, not allowed. We can't see your phone, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think you guys will get uh, uh, most of these. All right, let's get started. Okay. First one Boxcar Bertha. That's right. We're starting out hard. 
That's okay. Let's keep going. I'm Who's that knocking at my door? That's okay. Okay. New York, New York. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Okay. That sounds like someone something I should know, but I yeah. It's okay. I should probably know all of these, but I'm <laughs> these are hard. These are ones that people yeah. don't know. The next one is the king of comedy. Scorsese. Yeah. Oh, hey, oh my god. Good job, Daphne. That's one point. Was the it was after hours going to be in that list eventually? Oh, indeed. So <laughs> the rest of the rest of the list for Martin Scorsese was Gangs of New York, okay, The Wolf yeah. of Wall Street, Goodfellas, and After Hours. <laughs> All right, Daphne. Good job. You have a point. Yes. It's just that easy. All right. All right, next Let's just director. stop the game now. And okay, finished. <laughs> a strong lead. Give me his right. options for endings to <laughs> for our conversation earlier. Perfect. All right, first movie, Somewhere. Next one, The Bling Ring. Oh, I know that movie, but who? But who directed it? Yeah. No clue. Next one, On the Rocks. Should I just like shout random directors' names? Yeah, you can. I mean, it, it won't um, hurt. This one's hard. This one is hard. Okay. Next one, The Beguiled. I actually don't know that movie. No. Mm. All right, I think they're going to get. It's going to get easier now. Okay. Marie Antoinette. Oh, who directs that movie? I've seen it so many times. Got two more for you. I'm not. I'm not going to get this one. I don't think. The Virgin Suicides. Oh, damn it. Uh, uh, what's her name? What's her name? Uh, yeah. What's her name? The, the daughter, Coppola. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh Daphne, you pulled it out. Great job. Sophia Coppola oh, yes. is the answer. You're seeing um, the like few neurons that are left. In <laughs> Great job. I mean, yeah. And the, la- the last film uh, on the list is Lost in Translation. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So two zero Daphne okay, has I gotta a, get in the game. Lead. All right. Also, another option to end right here. I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. <back now. laughs> All right, here we go. Next one. Silent movie. Mm-mm. Life stinks. Next one. <laughs> Daphne knows it. High anxiety. Oh man. I don't know. I don't know. You're gonna know. In just a, just a second, okay. you're gonna get it. The producers. Who directed? Oh my that? god, this is embarrassing. Who directed that? Oh man, it's gonna get way easier now. Spaceballs. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Oh, <laughs> I love that movie so much. Oh Great man, job, Susan. Great job, Susan. All right, and the last Mel Brooks movies were Robin Hood, Men in Tights, yeah, and Blazing Saddles yeah. were the last two for Mel Brooks. All right, so two to one. All right, close game. Let's keep going. Next one, Sleepy Hollow. Tim Burton. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. On, a, on the nice. first pick. Also, I love the movie Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, that is a good movie. I've only seen it once. I need to rewatch it. Oh yeah, that's actually a fun fact. Tim Burton yeah. was going to direct After Hours. Really? Really? Whoa! Yeah. Like they talked to Tim Burton. They talked to Scorsese first and he was like, no, I'm on The Last Temptation. And then they talked to Tim Burton and this was really early in his career, right? Yeah. Um, They had seen some short that he made. He was like an animator. Probably Frank and Weenie or something like that. And so, and then he was like, yeah, I'm interested. 
and they started talking. He didn't like sign on all the way. And then Scorsese came back and was like, actually, oh my God. And they told Tim Burton, like, oh, you know, we're doing it with you. But just so you know, Scorsese, Scorsese reached back out and was like, he wanted to do it. And Tim Burton was like, I graciously decline from doing this movie like I don't want to get in the way of anything Scorsese wants to make wow I think it's interesting to think about like what kind of a movie yeah I want to would have been like a really fun movie right I want to see that version of After Hours actually yeah by Tim Burton (laughs) yeah that'd be cool the other Tim Burton movies were Planet of the Apes Big Eyes Dark Shadows Corpse Bride Frankenweenie Batman Returns and Beetlejuice I don't think I knew he did Planet of the Apes he did one of the remakes of it. Oh, okay. It. Yep. One more one point more. to win. All right, next one. No pressure. Panic Room. I'm not going to get any of these other ones. I'm like, do I even know any more directors? <laughs> <laughs> the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh. The Game. This is on you, girl. Directed <laughs> The Game. I don't know. Look at your face. You're like shocked that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Seven. Oh, damn it. Uh, what's their name? Yeah. Next one. The Social Network. Oh, oh my God. What's uh, what's his name? <laughs> it's Aaron Sorkin. No, yeah. it's not. Uh, no, that Aaron Sorkin wrote it. But yeah, he, he did not. Direct no, he didn't it. direct it. What? Yep. Who directed this it? This is a director we have talked about on the show before, Susan. That's not helpful to you, Daphne. That's not helpful to me either. All of our episodes. <laughs> all right, I got two more for you. Okay. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh. And the last one is Fight Club. Oh man, I know I, this, but I can't. I can't think of the name. His name, right? No, okay. I don't know why. Just no, okay. a word that's bigger than brain fart like <laughs> just my brain, brain out my ears. brain freeze yeah. maybe <laughs> um are there any other movies you can give us i, I mean, don't think i'm gonna get it movie. if i didn't get it from those movies right that's right. true uh i, I, can I guess i'll give it, you also the zodiac who directed that these are all movies that have a very yeah, similar look because they're yeah. directed by the same person yeah. and that person is David Fincher. Oh my oh God. God. <laughs> all right, I'll just see myself out now. Shut it all down. That's okay. We, we've got two more. Oh my God. Two more for you, which means. Oh my God. Which means Daphne could win. Yeah. Or Susan can tie this whole game. I could have a big let's, Cinderella story. I mean, let's find out what happens. Happen. All right. First movie for the next director is Deadly Friend. Next Mm-mm. one is Shocker. Mm-mm. All right. The People Under the Stairs. I have seen that movie, but I don't know. We're getting a little bit easier. The Hills Have Eyes. The Last House on the Left. Now, you guys will get the last two. Is this, is this West Craven? None of us get it. West Craven? Yes, okay. West Craven is correct. Oh, Susan pulled it out. Tied. That's that's based on how many times I've seen the Scream movies. Oh, that, <laughs> that's funny because the last two movies on for Wes Craven mm-hmm. are a a Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Scream. Scream. Yeah, yep. oh man, absolutely. Are All we right. tied? No, it's okay. three to two. All right, <laughs> but if you do 
get this next. Do you have a tiebreaker? No, oh, I don't, no. because I thought you guys would know who David Fisher <laughs> no. is. I do, but for some reason I can't. I think I need a cheat sheet just with like names of directors. Yeah, on. yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, <laughs> last one. I remember one. what they're called. Mm-hmm. All right, Daphne, are you ready? Huh? No. Go Susan. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, are you ready? Yes. All right, first movie. Prana 2, The Spawning. Next one. True Lies. Oh, who did that? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to know this if I don't know True Lies. Yeah. It's okay. It's over. You, you will know it. The The Abyss. I've actually never seen that movie. Oh, it's great. The premise of it sounds yeah, you, terrifying. It will be scary for you. Spielberg? <laughs> no, but that's a great guess. This is the only other director's name I can think of. Yeah. You, will, you will get this one. Okay. Next one, Aliens. Why? Oh my gosh. I know who directed Aliens. Yeah. Next one, Terminator. Oh my gosh. I know who directed Terminator too. I mean, and Terminator too. But right. he also right. directed Terminator. Right right now. <laughs> it's okay. Got two more for you. Next one is Avatar. I feel like all these movies could have been directed by Spielberg, so I should get half a point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last movie for this director is Titanic. Uh, It's James Cameron. It is James Cameron. (laughs) I had Ridley Scott stuck in my head early on. He did a different alien movie. Okay, that's why. So that's That's why. why. Yep, good good thought. So are we tied? You are tied. Oh my God, what do you have to do? I'm kind of impressed I even tied with you, to be honest. I'm impressed I knew any of those. (laughs) So I'm going to pull up a director, and and I'm going to do this off on the fly. Off the cuff, okay. Off the cuff, on the fly. All right, you ready? Here we go. Your first movie for the extra bonus round is E.T., the extra Nice job. You pulled it out. So 5-4? Is that what it is? It was 4-3. 4-3, four, three. Four, three. okay. Yep. Good job. Good job. Congratulations. I appreciate it. Yeah, I need to review my David Fincher knowledge, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I need to just, like, start learning names of people. <laughs> Before we let you go, Daphne, would you like to plug anything? Full Frontal, watch the show. It's great. Yes. And um, follow at Avenue D forever on Instagram. For yes. Some, you know, <laughs> nostalgic early 2000s photos coming up. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Daphne, thanks for joining us. This yeah, is really thank great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I had so much fun. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSongs.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at LifeInTheCredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Like, that's the whole other podcast I need you guys to do is like, what is up with IMDb? Yeah, how do they categorize things?